the bishops today of Colorado, uh, Sir Archbishop Aquila and the other two bishops, um, they've asked all the priests to speak on physician-assisted suicide. Um, I don't know how to tie that to the ascension. And so <laughs> instead of forcing it, I decided we'll talk briefly about that, and then we'll talk about the ascension. Um, we've talked about physician-assisted suicide before. It, it, was on, it got passed into law this spring in Colorado. Uh, truly tragic that that happened. It's a very serious thing. And what the church wants you to know about this, brothers and sisters, a couple of things. Physician-assisted suicide is different from other forms. The church has always seen suicide as a, as a grave sin. But with modern psychology and, and some of the things we've come to learn, we know that a lot of people who commit suicide have uh, mental problems. They have pressures in their life where they, you know, there's real hope for mercy. Because they don't always understand what they're doing. Physician-assisted suicide is different. For someone to enter into that in the state of Colorado... They have to have two separate doctors evaluate them and declare them of sound mind and able to make that kind of a decision. So in other words, they're not having psychological problems and they're trying to make this without duress. So they're consciously, knowingly creating a, entering into a very serious sin and it's all the more serious because it's the last moment of their earthly life. It's very serious and what the bishops want you to know and you might be thinking well Father Brian I'm not someone who would do that. Well someone you love might be and so it's important we all understand this. If someone goes and they decide that they're going to enter into this and do have a physician-assisted suicide, if they call for a priest of the church to hear their confession or to anoint them or to give them communion at the end of their life, we cannot do any of those. I cannot hear their confession unless they repent, unless they change their mind and decide to be obedient to Christ's command to not kill. So it's very serious. Um, and the bishops want you to know that. So in your bulletin today, there's a handout with commonly asked questions. And brothers and sisters, it's just important that you and I understand our faith. It's important that we understand that there's a reason the church teaches the things that she does, that we can love people, we can help them know why we think this way, why God thinks this way, why life is precious, why, why human life is always valuable. And so I just encourage you to, to read that, to become educated about it, and to become witnesses for life. So now that we're all depressed, let's talk about the ascension. <laughs> That's a tough topic, it really is. <clears throat> so I'm an Irishman, and not literally, but I have a, you know a fair amount of lineage going back to Ireland. And my mother loves telling people that our ancestors were horse thieves, which apparently they were. Um, read into that what you will. 
But I want to talk today about St. Patrick. St. Patrick is one of my middle names, is Patrick, and he's one of my patron saints. And Patrick fit into that, actually. Must be, there's something in the Irish blood about kidnapping things. Uh, St. Patrick was not Irish. He was Scottish. But he was kidnapped and was made a slave and brought to Ireland. And he escaped eventually. He went and became a priest and a bishop. And later on, he went back to Ireland to bring the gospel to the Irish people. And it's truly an amazing story. A um, little plug for the Augustine Institute here. They have a, a new um, radio uh, drama series on St. Patrick that's out that's really good. But anyway, so Patrick, what happened is he evangelizes Ireland. And I love this. At the end of his life, St. Patrick had truly brought the Irish people to Christianity. And in one of his writings in his confessions, he cites two of our readings today. Our gospel today, Jesus commands the apostles, so he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The other one St. Patrick quotes and he alludes to is from our first reading from Acts of the Apostles chapter 1. And Jesus tells the apostles, he tells the church, he says, you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And this is so powerful. Patrick, there's a place, if you go to Ireland, I haven't been, I want to go. If you've been to Ireland, like me, there's a place at the western edge of Ireland called Finisterra, which means the end of the earth. And Patrick, in his confessions, he praises God because he believed that that commandment of Jesus to bring the gospel to the end of the earth had been fulfilled through him. Super powerful. Turns out he was wrong. Right? <laughs> he didn't know about North America. Bummer. Um, but here's what I want to talk about with you today. Patrick, brothers and sisters, had a mission there was something in his life, he had such a mission, it gave value and purpose and direction to his life. And he was able to face suffering and trials and difficulty, and he could do it with joy because he had a purpose. He had a mission. God had called him to something. And today, the question that I want you to have in your hearts is, are you that kind of person? What's your life about? Is your life about comfort? Is it about your next financial goal? Is it about kind of getting by and getting through life? Boring. <laughs> or is your life a life with a mission? So this is so cool. Today I'm so excited about today's readings. You're all in deep trouble. It's going to be a long homily. Um, not really, hopefully not. But here's the thing. If you're paying attention, today we're reading from Acts of the Apostles, our first reading. Um, and I don't know why, but this weekend I'm in a kind of interactive mood. So when I was in seminary, we had this thing called Lectio Divina, which is a way of praying with scripture. And we'd pray for 45 minutes, and the priest had a box of cards with seminarian names on them. 
And at the end of that 45 minutes, he'd draw names at random, and you'd have to come up and like share about what God said to you. So we're going to start doing that at Lord's. And that's actually why we register you. You're going to be like, John Smith. And I'm just going to like quiz you. Like, John, tell us about Acts of the Apostles. And you'll be like, I'm joining a different church. <laughs> but I do want to ask you this. So today we heard from Acts of the Apostles. Acts of the Apostles, so cool. So in Acts, we're at the very beginning. And it says, in the first book, O Theophilus, Theophilus is a cool name, Greek name, it means lover of God. And so we think there was a real Theophilus, but this is, if you love God, it's a symbolic name. If you love God, Acts of the Apostles is written to you. If you want to love God, Acts of the Apostles is written to you. But he says in the first book, what's the first book? It's Luke. Somebody said Genesis, too. I love that. They, all the masses have said Genesis. And that's, it is the, Genesis is the first book. But that's not what's happening here. The first book is the Gospel of St. Luke. Because Luke wrote Acts of the Apostles. And both Luke and Acts are dedicated to Theophilus, the lover of God. Now, here's what I want to talk about today. What Acts is all about, brothers and sisters, what it shows, St. Luke is going to show us that in Acts of the Apostles, it's, it's the second part of a two-volume work. And what it's going to show is that everything Jesus did in that first book, and listen to the way he, he phrases this. He says, in the first book, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up which is today, Ascension. Now, isn't that a, a weird way of saying things, that he began to do these things? I think we're used to thinking that when Jesus ascends to heaven, it's done. Great. You know, he's, everything's finished. But here's the point. Luke is going to show us that what Jesus did in his earthly life, he now commissions the church to do through history. And I'm going to show you that. But the whole book of Acts is like that. All the things that Jesus did when he was walking around Israel, we see the church beginning to do in Acts of the Apostles. And it's so important we understand that, right? We're used to thinking as Christians, like, Jesus did everything, and as long as I just kind of believe that and I love him, then everything's set. And it's not true. St. Patrick knew that. Patrick knew that he was part of an ongoing story. That God works through his church. So in the first book, right, and history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. That's what Mark Twain says. In the first book, in Luke chapter 3 and 4, and actually, let's just see if you can catch this. In, in Acts of the Apostles, what happens when we heard today, there's Easter, how many days till Ascension? 40 days, right? Which means that Ascension falls on a Thursday, but we moved it to Sunday because the bishops didn't think you'd come to church otherwise. That's another story. <laughs> but Ascension happens on a Thursday. It's 40 days after Easter. That's important. That number matters. So we have resurrection. We have 40 days, and we're told in Acts chapter 1 that during those 40 days, Jesus presented himself alive by many proofs appearing to them 
and speaking of the kingdom of God. So there's 40 days where Jesus is teaching the apostles about the kingdom of God. Then he ascends to heaven, and he says, wait, and he says it right here. He says, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but before many days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right, so hang with me. I know you're like, where is Father Brian going this morning? God knows. But here's where, we, here's where it's going. You have resurrection, 40 days, and then you have Jesus talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. In the first book, Theophilus, there's a very similar sequence. Do you remember it? In Luke chapter 3 and 4, in chapter 3, Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit falls on him. And what does he do right after that? He goes into the desert for 40 days. Why? To prepare for his mission. Jesus, when he begins his public ministry, he knows that if you're going to go on mission, you've got to prepare. You've got to be ready. And so Jesus fasts 40 days and 40 nights. He's tempted by the devil, but he's preparing for his mission. And when he finishes those 40 days, he comes back, and guess what he does? He preaches about the kingdom of God. Now, history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. And Luke is showing us something here, brothers and sisters, is that what Jesus did in his earthly life, the church now does in history. If you're going to go on mission for God, you have to be prepared, and you need the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is going to send the church to the ends of the earth, But before he does that, they have to be prepared. So they spend 40 days learning about the kingdom, and then they wait for Pentecost. And guess what happens? They go to the ends of the earth. And here's my point today that's no accident. There's absolutely no accident. And my simple point, brothers and sisters, Your holiness matters. Your life of discipleship, your life that is lived for the Son of God matters. Jesus did not say, okay, guys, I took care of it. Go have a bonbon. See you in heaven. He didn't say that. He sends us the Spirit, not so you and I can sit around and kind of enjoy our faith. He sends us on mission. Are you a Christian on mission? Do you understand that your life is to be a life of witness for others? If you don't, Christianity gets really weird. When I was a focused missionary, we used to call it hot tub Christianity, which is kind of just a really weird term anyways. (laughs) If 
you and I aren't on mission, things get strange. Right? Imagine, right? I was trying to think of good analogies, and I can't really think of any, so just deal with it. But imagine if the Broncos, imagine if the Broncos were told, you've got to practice all the time. You're going to be at Dove Valley. We're going to run routes. We're going to do hitting drills. You just can never actually go play a game. Imagine an army where you're always in boot camp. You're training all the time, but you're told you'll never be allowed to go to war. When that happens, we lose our focus. We lose direction. And brothers and sisters, I just want to challenge you today. I think that is the Catholic Church in America today. If we don't go on mission, we lose the sense of what we're doing. Little things become big things. This happened to me in seminary. So in seminary, you know, it's roughly eternity. You, you enter, like, you enter and you're like, so excited, and you should see photos of me when I entered seminary. I look like I weigh about 85 pounds, and like I had hair, it was pretty cool. Um, but you enter, and it's seven years, and at a certain point, you, you're kind of like despair that you're actually ever going to be a priest. And that's why when, when young priests are ordained, they, they generally tend to want to preach for like 45 minutes. I know you're hoping I'll give up on that someday, but <laughs> not going to happen. But they do because they're like, they've been waiting so long. They've been in training camps so long. They're so eager to be on mission. But what happens in seminary is when you lose your sense of the battle, of the mission, you waste your time bickering about things that don't matter. And you get jealous of each other. Well, how come this guy got assigned to that apostle and I'm way better at that? You kind of measure up against each other. And I did this with the guys in my class. I'd look at those chump priests I was ordained with, and, and we'd like measure each other up. And it was foolish, but you know why we did it? It's because we forgot that there's a mission. When you're on mission, right? And I looked at Father Brady Wagner or Father Greg Peterson or Father John Nepple. And when we're in seminary, you'd be jealous of their gifts. But when we're sent out, you thank God that they're on your side. Because there's a mission. Are you a Christian who's on a mission? Brothers and sisters, if you don't understand your life as a witness, Christianity becomes a bunch of rules. It doesn't have a purpose. Your holiness matters. God wants to work through you. He wants you to be a witness. People in the world need to know that he has ascended to heaven, that all authority is given to him. Did you hear our second reading? Why did Jesus ascend? In Ephesians chapter 1, the very end, our second reading today, St. Paul says that Jesus, and let me just read it to you because I don't have this one memorized. In Ephesians 1, St. Paul says this, 122, God has put all things under his feet, meaning Jesus' feet. When he ascended into heaven, he is above all things. And he has made him the head over all things. Why? For the church. Jesus ascends today so that you would have all confidence, all purpose, 
of his authority as you live his life in the world. Your holiness matters. Brothers and sisters, if, if this church, if Our Lady of Lords, you know, we have great music and like we have a lot of really cool people here, and if that's it, it's worthless. This church will come alive when you and I understand that we're on mission. We exist for others. We are witnesses. Your holiness matters. If you are not the Christian you're called to be, no one else is going to witness to the people around you. I've said it before. Your neighbor, the people in your school, the people at your job, they're not going to call me. One of my staff said this. Like I remember she got back, and she was on this plane flight, and she had got talked to somebody, and they were kind of attacking Catholicism. And she said, oh, I really wish Father Brian was here. I'm not. You are. You are the witness for Christ. You have to have two things. Let me leave you with this. If you're going to be a witness, and it's so powerful to be a witness. It's like St. Patrick. It's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. But it gives meaning to your life and joy and purpose. And you need two things. You need those 40 days where you learn what the kingdom of God means. If you don't know your faith, brothers and sisters, you don't have to know everything, but you need to know some of it. And you need to be learning it more because you can't explain things to people if you don't know it yourself. And secondly, you have to have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, then God's not going to live in you. You might know a bunch of facts, but it won't be in your heart. The Spirit of God has to live in you, and that's what Pentecost is all about. And so Jesus, Lord, we rejoice today that you are ascended above the heavens. Lord God, that you are the true king of heaven and earth. But Jesus, we thank you that we have a role to play. That the church is not passive, the church is active. That we're a part of the story. That we are your witnesses. Jesus, help us to know our faith. To be committed to its truth. And Jesus, we beg you, send the Spirit here to Our Lady of Lords. Send the Holy Spirit upon us, Lord to give us boldness, to give us love, and to make us your witnesses. Let us now stand and profess our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. For us men and for our salvation, 
He came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary, became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. He rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. In the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the